Welcome to another uh, episode of Threads of Enlightenment. I love this stuff. I really do. I love taking the time and welcoming our guests because I know for sure that they're coming with a couple of very expensive commodities. Time. It is one of the most expensive commodities. Those who do not know how to utilize them, that 24 hours that is given to every man, they get to the end of their days and realize that they haven't used anything for their benefit. And that is such a precious thing and commodity. And I want to thank Matthew for coming and spending some of it with us. The other is his journey. The journey housed who he was and made him who he is today. And that journey will allow us to see this person in power, in beauty, even though the journey housed pain and insights and all of that stuff. But it made Matthew who he is today. And we are honored to have him coming here and sharing that with us. Matthew, welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you, Ken. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here with you and with your audience. Yeah. Pleasure, man. I want you to tell the folks, because I've been telling them we are creators, man. We create by the way we process the thought that comes to us, which thoughts we choose to uh, manifest that bring forth fruit. So talk to us about what you have released or given birth as a result of your journey. Thank you. And I want to go back to you said something that struck a chord in me because you talked about time. Yeah. And when I was a little kid, I learned a poem at school, very brief, but about time. And it was yeah. about, I own, I own, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Didn't pick it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. Give account if I abuse it and suffer if I lose it. Yeah. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity yeah. is in it. So your Powerful. little mention of time, your mention of time made me remember that little poem that I learned when I was in grade school. So thank you for yeah. that. Thank you for reminding me of that and the gift of time and about creation. And it's so it's so powerful that as human beings, we all know that you know that God is the creator, but He's yeah. God allows us to create with Him. And if you just think of just a couple, you know, when they have children that powerful experience of being co-creators with God of human life and then being stewards of creation. So in my own journey, I was, I was created and born back a long time ago, like 1973, small town, New England, the 10th of 13 children to my parents, to my wonderful parents, wow. Gloria and Charles, who have since passed away. Yeah. So they had 13 children, 27 grandchildren, and then there were great grandchildren as well. And, nice. and I'm, my faith background is Catholic, so I grew up in a very traditional Catholic environment, went to Catholic school, was very close to a monastery, to monastic life. And so that's where I went to school, that, you know, close to the nuns, what we would call the nuns and the brothers, the monks. Mm. So it, through my parents and through that environment, I grew up all very exposed to generosity towards mm. giving your life for others. Right? My parents showed us that and, and they made a they had a roof not only for the 13 children, but also for other people, friends yeah. and families, you know, extended family that may have been going through hard times. There was always an extra bed, an extra part of the house for them. Yeah. So, and I suppose that that educated me in, in wanting to to be generous, to give myself in some way, and in growing up in that environment, also we were taught that we to do something great in life, something that had an impact in time and in eternity. Mm -hmm. So 
there's a, something strange happened because it's sort of a mix. It was sort of, I had these high ideals, but at the same time, I felt small, small town New England was too small for me. And I wanted to do something bigger and better, for lack of better yeah. words, right? And so, and so at 18, I left home on, on a mission, really on a, on a mission to serve. But I think un, underlying, there was also a mission, just uh, a journey of searching. Mm -hmm. I went to search for what what to do with my life because I really didn't know what to do, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I so I went to I went to seminary. I joined in, in the Catholic world. They have what we call religious orders, and you might be familiar with the Jesuits, yeah. Franciscans, Dominicans. Mm -hmm. So I, I joined an international religious order, a group, and that began a journey. Now, there's two things of that. I said yes, I wanted to do something meaningful, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so this yeah. was sort of, uh, I suppose it was, in some way, it was an escape. I, I wanted to find an identity. I wanted to find something meaningful. So I became part of this group and I became, and then I was with them for 30 years. And what that, and that was fascinating because that brought me to a lot of different countries around the world. There was 10 years of, eight, of training and education to become mm -hmm. a Catholic priest. And then 20 years of, of active ministry in different parts of Europe or different parts of South America. Um, and then, and also I, I did time as active as an active duty chaplain in the Navy. Yeah. Which was also fascinating serving Marines and sailors. So now that's, that's the, the big picture. The, yeah. this, along that journey, there was, because of what I said before, where I was on, a, I was sort of searching to find myself. Um, and I like to use this, the story of the prodigal son who left home on a journey. You know, he looked into the horizon. He said, I want to do something. And, and he left, right? And so mm -hmm. I went on a journey. I looked over the horizon. I want to do something meaningful. But I also mm -hmm. want to find myself in the process. And I got lost in the process. Yeah. Even though I was doing so, something so meaningful and transcendental and had so many powerful experiences, I disconnected from myself. And I want to say something. You know, when, I, when you were talking about the triumphant human spirit. And you made me think of a philosopher that said that we, we are a mystery to ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know, we're not only a mystery to others, but we are a mystery to ourselves. And so that it, I was on a journey to find myself. But on yeah. that, I got lost. I, dis, I got disconnected because of being in ministry, being in leadership roles. I really, you know, I began to live this facade yeah, And to be what other people expected or, or what the institutional organization expected or wanted me to be. And I slowly, slowly distanced myself from me. Yeah. And I became more and more and more and more of a mystery to myself. And, and then that leads in the human spirit. When that happens, and, you know, our psychology has a lot of mechanisms to kind of protect itself. But when we use too many of them, then they really, it becomes, a, it becomes a psychological hazard, right? Yeah. And so I was, I became that to myself. And there was, there was this huge internal crisis and identity crisis. And then in disconnect from myself and, and there was, and then it leads to depression and leads to anxiety. And then it leads to the human spirit looks to find some sort of, I suppose, because of the pain, we look to find something that soothes the pain. Yeah. Right. We, we all find ways to self-medicate and there might be healthy ways to soothe pain. And then there's unhealthy ways that, you know, whether it be 
to open the refrigerator or the cabinet to just to soothe the spirit, whether it be to go to the liquor store, whether it be a drug dealer, whether it be the internet or buying or going to the shopping malls, any sort of behavior that we look to impulsively soothe the pain, which yeah. which increases the pain. Yeah. Right. And increases in and increase that vision. And that and that happened to me. Right. And and oftentimes that can happen because of how important our sexuality is to us. It can mm -hmm. also that can our dis disordered sexual expressions can can be a, a one way that a lot of people look to to soothe the pain. And so yeah. that's that's sort of what happened to me since I was in a very lonely, painful space, you know, to look to to, to towards the you know pornography and other things to sort of but what that did to me and I, I committed life to celibacy and chastity well it created a lot of more guilt a lot more shame around that so I really it was this negative spiral if which went on for a long time but on the outside I was I was trying to show that I had it all together right yeah yeah it's always <laughs> and, the case Right. And, and I, and for years, right. But I really, my life was falling, uh, was falling apart and became quite a mess, um, internally. And I was just like, I suppose a term I use is I was still trying to play the music as the ship was sinking. Right. And I, <laughs> I was trying to make it work. And, and then I got to a point, um, I was in Rome at this time and I had a high profile job and I got released from this job. Yeah. For a lot of political and twisted reasons that are just part of organizations. Yeah. And, and that was very hard for me. But at the same time, it was a ticket to freedom. Yeah. It See, let me, let, me, let me tell you something, Matthew. I believe yeah. we call those things in because, let me explain. Deep inside you, when you had that dichotomy going on, the you in you was crying out, I want, I, I need to find out what's going on. I need to reconnect and that distance in uh, thing. I tell people we meditate day, all day long. You, you just don't know it, but everyone meditates. The human being, the human uh, um, uh, person is designed to meditate. And yes. so because you were meditating on quietly within that self that I, I need something. I think what happens is that we call situations into our space to allow us the opportunity to begin that journey to experience that peace. But it, it's kind of disguised, if you will, until later, but then we realize the purpose of that interruption, if you will, that came in, that that was the beginning of the beginnings if you will. Right. And I think because you are dancing with all of this, because that, Matthew, is a dark space for an individual to be, because I know what that is to have shame and, and guilt, the power of that, versus your the, um, the word, if you will, the teachings from the Bible that you ought to be this way. And then... Right the shame of your behavior and you realize and you begin to look at you and go, whoa, 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 whoa. But you're so far spiraling out of control that you don't even know how to stop. But I believe we call that in. It manifests in a traumatic situation that begins 
the beginning of the beginning. When that trauma came and um, interrupted your space, you said you began to get that freedom. Explain right there, what did that look like when you say freedom? What did that look like to you right. in that space? Yes, it began a, a very important journey, which internally obviously I had begun before, but it, it gave me permission to deal with what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And to, I suppose at this point to really just to begin to take down the mask, to take down the yeah. facade, to really, it's a moment of truth of dealing. And I'm going back to, we are a mystery to ourselves. It's a moment yeah. of, yeah. of trying to be less of a mystery to ourselves and to it's getting to know myself. And so for me, it was, it was this freedom that I, let me, I can let go of these titles, let go of these identities and, and I be, can begin this journey of self-discovery with mm. greater, I, I, like you said, I meditated every day for 25 years, every morning, every night. My, my life had been involved in a lot of mindfulness, a lot of meditation, a lot of spiritual connection. But there was also a lot of organizational and faith groups have this. This is a mm -hmm. lot of organizational pressure. Right. And um, faith groups that don't always present faith in a, in a proper way. And a lot of Christian groups, this happens where they have a lot of power over the person and the, and the person becomes disconnected and, yeah. or just has a lot of misconceptions around things. So let me go back to what, what you're, what you were asking. And I was walking across this Roman plaza and I just remember the cobblestones, the sunny day, I looked at my shadow and I describe it as the moment when I befriended pain. Pain had been knocking at my door for so long, but I never wanted to deal with it. I wanted, mm -hmm. I, I lived in denial. That's one extreme of my relationship with pain. And the other extreme of my relationship with pain is that I let pain, it dominated my life for, for, yeah. for a good number of years because I didn't know how to deal with it. So I talk about it and a healthy independence from pain, which is that denial and sort of living in denial that, that this isn't happening. Everything's mm -hmm. okay. And the other one is the codependency with pain is that pain had this such a power over me, but I was living, but I wasn't naming it. Yeah. And so I looked pain in the eyes and I began to, I befriended pain mm -hmm. because for pain, suffering, discomfort, whatever you want to call it was someone who wanted to teach me so much about myself. Yeah. Wanted to teach me so much about my past, about my present, about my surroundings and my settings. And part of that teaching was that, that Catholic priesthood was not the right place for me. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, and I was, there was a, for years, it was like, what's wrong with me that I, this yeah. isn't working, but it was like, you're just in the wrong place. But I had to reconcile a lot of, you know, a lot of things psychologically, emotionally, theologically around this reality of that. Well, you know, th th this isn't my right place. Well, then what is my place? And then who am I? Yeah. Right. So, so pain and that moment of freedom, it, it allowed me then to begin a, a really a journey of great intimacy with myself. I went to, I started a therapeutic journey. I went to inpatient care, right? Because I was. I had 25 years of stuff built up <laughs> well, yeah, more yeah, than that. Yeah. You know, if we go back to my, this, my, my younger age, my younger days, and I needed a safe place where I could deal with this, where there wasn't these spiritual and theological and organizational and, and, and other types of pressures. 
that I had to be a certain way. They just, let's have an encounter with Matthew. Yeah. And that was, I mean, there's a discomfort in that because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah, un yeah. uncover the pain and to understand it. But there was also a lot of freedom in that. And, and I call that my, it was my journey home, my yeah. journey home to self. And, and with that, there's something that I, I really like to share because I do also, I do a lot of couples work or just the couple, the work that we do with ourselves and that I do with people is only when we are at home with ourselves, are we ready to welcome someone into our home? Yeah. You know, and, and so this was a journey, beginning of a journey home to myself, which lasted a few years. Yeah. And, but that, that moment when was that ticket of freedom. Whereas I was giving, it was, you know, in a traumatic situation, I went through a few traumatic situations and I was like, but I didn't want to pay attention to it because I said, I want to, I'm not, not why I have to continue doing this. I have to continue to be faithful. I have to continue to do what I committed myself to. But they, this was sort of the, the tipping moment of, right, well, obviously this isn't working, right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, since I wasn't able to come to that conclusion on my own, I needed an external influence to make that happen, which was very disagreeable and tragic to go through. Mm -hmm. Only later, only years later, can I look back on it and say it was a ticket to freedom. Yeah. I want people to, to recognize what Matthew is talking about. There's a couple of principles that he is saying that uh, is very vital to personal development, personal growth, getting to know who you are, going back home. But he, had, he was committed to going back home. You have to have a commitment to go back. Um, number one. Number two, you need to seek help. Sometimes we get lost, and there's nothing wrong um, with pulling out the map and going to a stranger and say, "Hey, I'm lost." You know, some today I remember back in the day. I'm I'm aging myself now. Where we had the map, and we would right. open the map and wind the window down and tell the stranger, "Hey, I'm lost. Can you tell me where this is?" And that is, um, you can say that it is your counselor. Um, right. Today, the young folks, your GP, G, GPT or whatever it is, um, that's your, your counselor, if you will. You put it in your phone, GPS, you put in your GPS. Right. And your GPS is now guiding you, your counselor is guiding you through the streets because that counselor knows the way. And because the counselor knows the way, they know the questions to ask you to bring you, uh, to bring that, or bring you aware, or your um, to who you are, and so mm -hmm. they will probe you, and simply as they dig deeper by questioning you, when you make a statement, they will say yeah, and they'll put that question to you to cause you to dig a little deeper, to excavate your through your memory, and when you begin to do that, you begin to discover much. And that is how your healing begins. As you begin to notice things, you can then identify them. You can bring them out before you. You can then deal, face them and move forward. And you incorporate tools that uh, your uh, guidance uh, coach or whoever will now assist you, give you those tools to come out from where you are. Matthew, what were some of those p tools 
in your conversation with your your people that you're seeking help did they bring into your space that you took and utilize in your commitment to self to get to yeah. uh, uh, out from where you were thank you Ken and that yes there's a few things but one is I want to highlight what you just said because as human beings, there's this sort of like this independent self-sufficiency aspect to us that we, we want to do everything on our own. Some, mm -hmm. you know, in some places they would call that pride or whatever you want to call it, yeah. but there's a tendency in us to want to do that. But there's also, we are wired for relationship. Yeah. Right? And, and how do I find my answers? Oftentimes it's in this type of relationship yeah. by talking about what I'm going through by maybe you proposing certain questions that I'll, that forced me to think about things I hadn't thought about mm -hmm. and then to transform them into words because when we transform our, our feelings or our thoughts, concepts into words, they become much more real to us. Yeah. So oftentimes when we don't have this, we get stuck in our heads, mm -hmm. right? And then we get confused. Then we, 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 are, often, we are our greatest allies, but we're also our greatest enemies mm -hmm. because we then begin to tell ourselves different lies and we begin to avoid certain things, right? And so not intentionally, but, we're kind of, you know, but we can do that to ourselves. And yeah. so this, the relationship is how we grow. Yeah. And, and through my encounter with you, I also get to know me. Yeah. Right? because I, I see myself through your eyes and then, and then through the things that you say. So this, this is very important. And that's why, and it's not that someone else has the answers, yeah. but it's someone else. We need someone else to be there to be, to play that role. Now we want someone qualified, obviously. Now that could be a therapist, that can be a counselor, that can be a coach, that can be a mentor. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can just be a very loyal friend and close friend, right? Sometimes just having a third neutral party that, that isn't part of the family or friendship or other circles is important because it's a neutral safe space where we can, we're not trying to safeguard any other aspect of the relationship rather yeah. I'm coming to you to deal with me. So that is, I think that is fundamental. I resisted that for a long time because I was that for so many other people, but I didn't know yeah. how to make someone else that for me. Which is common, which is common for therapists, com common for coaches, common for counselors, common for people in ministry, because, mm -hmm. or in the medical field, that you are there for other people. You know, I know so many doctors that they won't go to doctors, but they are there. Yeah. You know, it's a common um, sort of contradiction that we experience as human beings. Yeah. And so it was, it was a step of humility where I was like, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. And I wanted to do it. But so, so the tools, part of it is that, is that to allow someone else into my life and to trust someone with the, the with my life. So there was a great beauty in that. I began to lean on certain people and they were wonderful and they just allowed me to lean on them and to process. Yeah, I love your word so the, choices, uh, Matthew, um, allowing someone. And I try to tell people, you must allow. Now, as you began to gurgitate and have when you're by yourself you're simply replaying one perspective but mm -hmm. give permission to allow yourself to bring in someone with another perspective on your current situation 
allow them to come in through um, that of a coach, a friend, whatever. Just allow them to come in. Don't be uh, judgmental and close the door to yourself and to Mm. anyone else. And as you allow them in, all they're coming with is a different perspective perspective on your current situation. Mm -hmm. And when you shift your perspective, you will change your life because you have given them permission to come in and allow them to. I love your word choices, Matthew, because it's important even that uh, those uh, word choices allowing someone to come in. Yes. It is, and I, and I had wonderful people because it wasn't. I and I was. I had. A, I think because I'd been through so much. I'd lost trust in so many people, and yeah. because I'd been hurt so so many times that um, I was very cautious who I would let in. And, yeah. And the people that I let in, they were so respectful because they walked, and this is the way I try to deal with other people. Is they allow when someone allows us into their life, they're allowing us on sacred ground. Someone yeah. who's allowed into that space must tread very respectfully on that sacred yeah. ground. And the people yeah. that I let in did that. They they didn't come in telling me all the things that I had to do. It was they walked with me as I found my way to the answers. Yeah. You know, and going back to the GPS thing, it's it's more about and this is what I do a lot with people now is all right, where do you want to go? Why yeah. is that important to you? And all right, and then how are we gonna get there? And I'm not gonna tell you how to get there. But I will yeah. walk with you, right? And I'll, and we'll we'll guide and I'll guide you on things that we need to take into account in order to make the the best decisions. And so one of the things that going back to what you asked about what are some of the tools? One thing, someone that I worked with, there were two things that they he unlocked for me, and it was very challenging to unlock those. One was sort of the cycle of shame and dealing with what shame is, where it comes from. Because I didn't want to, I was very resistant to that. I was like, I don't have shame. <laughs> and then I began to go deeper. I was like, oh, wow, that's exactly what this is. And it was yeah. very ingrained in me from a young age and how it, how it dominated me in so many ways. The other one was being a victim. I'd never wanted to consider myself a victim. And I think it's a lot of people, it's something that a lot of people struggle with because there's a, you know, if I'm a victim, that means that I'm saying that someone else did something to me. And um, and then we live in this victimhood, and I I didn't want to sort of stay in that rut. Yeah. Um, but it was, so it was rewriting my story from this perspective of, of what I had been a victimhood, a victim of, not to stay there, mm-hmm. but yeah. to to really honest to name things, to claim things, right, and then to into and to place the blame where it has to be, rather than placing it all on me, mm-hmm. and then to reframe my life around this. And it wasn't about getting rid of my responsibility, but taking responsibility for what's mine. But there's some mm-hmm. things that are not my responsibility, which I had also taken on myself. Yeah. And so that was that was also meaningful. Then the other thing is just the other tool is really learning to take care of myself. So I forgot to connect my computer before the battery runs out. The last thing is to. I suppose self-care is the word, right? And in our Christian tradition and in Catholic, in the way I grew up was sort of self-care was 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 equal to um, selfishness. Mm-hmm. It was always about um, giving yourself for others, sacrificing for others, right? And anything about you is 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 not good. 
yeah. right? Is selfish, is self-love, right? And so that's the way I lived. So I never knew how to take care of ourselves. But when we think of going back to the, the gift that we're given, not only in time, but the gift of creation, the gift of ourselves, if we are meant to be stewards of creation, we're also meant to be stewards of how we care Self. for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And God gives us, you know, he gives us intelligence. He gives us free will. He gives us all these tools to be able to also take care of ourselves. And I hadn't been taught that and I hadn't been trained in that. So I thought that that was also always secondary or definitely not a priority. But if I look at my journey, what was it? I was I was not taking care of myself and I was paying a very big price. Yeah. So it was. It was understanding, putting self-care into perspective that it was it was a God-given mandate to also take care of ourselves, not in a self-centered way, but that we have to take care of ourselves in order to also be able to serve better. And, that's the, that's the I, commandment, though, Matthew, I think. I think um, systems, um, the, it tells us in the Bible that the traditions of man make the word of God to none effect. And, um, Christians and Christians religion pay more attention to the traditions than what God said. The principle is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and uh, you know to love your neighbor as yourself. The relationship right. is between you and God first. That's right. And to have that in place before you can turn to your neighbor and truly love them. If you don't know you and have come back home to you, I always tell people, what is your baseline to say to someone, I love you? What are you basing it? What are you basing that on? Do you love you? And hmm. uh, I can look at your life and I will know if you love you by how you treat you. Are you letting people disrespect you? Are you letting people, uh, you're not, you haven't put boundaries in place to govern uh, relationships with yourself and with others. Jesus went away by himself early in the morning so that he can deal with himself first. Right. He went and did all of his prayer before he even touched anybody else. And so, um, and we look at that, uh, at Jesus as one of the givers on this planet, uh, and he took care of himself first before he went back and deal with everybody else. That's and right. um, but when we get into systems, mm -hmm. systems kind of put a guilt trip on us that no, you're not supposed to do it that way. You got to take care of them first. Put yourself on the burner. And next thing you know, you're suffering from burnout. You don't know who you are. Depression comes in and all mm -hmm. of those other things come in because you haven't sat down with yourself. You haven't gone home. And so um, that's the piece that we have to do. Go home, man. It's important. That's right. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. And that, that, that commandment, you know, love the Lord your God, but then love your neighbor. We often forget about as yourself. What is that yeah. measuring state, right? Yes. yes. And, and that's, and that's God, he, Jesus was so wise when he said that because he's like, well, I know that that, that will be a measuring stick that's tangible to these people is how they love themselves, right? Then yes. that's, so 
but oftentimes in organizational, you know, organizational religion has then put this yes. focus on loving others and then but not loving yourself. And, yeah. you know, and this brings me dovetails into another topic, which is very linked to this, if you don't mind, is in this whole no, aspect no. of leadership, which is really the, the field that I'm, that I work in is in healthy and good leadership and functional leadership is so life-giving. And mm -hmm. in the in experiences that we've had, whether it be in, in personal leadership, whether it be in family circles, intimate circles, in, or in the professional space. But dysfunctional leadership, toxic leadership, or unhealthy leadership styles is so destructive. Yeah. And when we bring that to, to faith, to the faith circles, yeah. it's even more destructive because it touches deeper fibers of us as human beings. Yep. Right. But we could also go into the, you know, then also sexual abuse, right? And that, yeah. uh, because of how central sexuality is to us as human beings, right? And how that type of abuse, but faith and spiritual, emotional abuse in the, in the, the faith circles hmm. is so dangerous and destructive yeah. because it touches those deeper fibers. And that not only affects our relationship with ourselves, but also reflects, or it affects our relationship with the transcendent. Right? Yeah. And so sadly in people in the religious circles are, especially leaders, they are given so much power mm -hmm. that they oftentimes wield in a very careless manner yeah. and not, not oftentimes ill intentions, but they're not prepared for certain positions that they have. They're not properly educated yeah. in the, because as we're saying, this holistic approach to the human person and how we live our yes. faith and how we live biblical mandates and traditions as a human being is very poorly presented in many religious circles. They don't love themselves, Matthew, even those religious leaders. The, the, the hallmark of a leader, and we look at Jesus as one of, I tell people he's one of the greatest leaders, if you will, because he took a bunch of, um, quote unquote, uneducated <laughs> men and changed the world, didn't he? And so um, that is a powerful leader. So the leaders of today, the religious, because I came from there, um, are, they're not, as you said, they're not ready. They don't love themselves, Matthew. We ought to be honest with that. Um, because they, if they love themselves and they learn empathy from their relationship with God, because as you begin to see you, who you are in the light of God, then it breaks you. It makes you humble. It makes you... Um, patient it makes you forgiving it makes you accepting it makes you all of these things and so when you turn and recognize who you are in the sight of god then when i turn to you matthew i know that you are a child a son of god and i have to as i'm learning all these things and recognizing myself i have to pour such love on you that you want to know where in the world is ken having this type of love from where, where is this man coming from and then you're going to come to me and say ken why are and how are you like that and i can to look at you and say man I have this relationship with God and I'm, she's showing me stuff about me and I have to respect and honor everything about you because he's teaching me how to respect and honor me. And that is, I tell you, as we have this reciprocal relationship with God, but most of those guys in leadership, and I have to be, it was, I was in that pack 
we don't focus on the relationship with God. We focus on the duty. And when you focus on the duty, you will become callous. You will become mm. hard because you are not sensitized by your time with God Almighty. You become right. desensitized because you're um, task focused and right. not relationship focused. And we need to have a conversation, Matthew, with the leaders about this behavior because it is destroying the spirits of men and women around the world. It is. It's so sad. And it, in, yeah. I think what, what you're saying is also, because in preaching, for example, in any type of yeah. preaching, you know, fear-based, obligation-based, duty-based preaching, it's yeah. the easiest. Because I just sort of run yes. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But that's... We're just putting all these weights, right? Jesus talked about this, about the Pharisees, right? Putting yep. all mm -hmm. these things, these weights on the people, because yeah. that's the easiest way to teach and the easiest way to preach. But that's yeah. not the most effective because that's not, that we're not leading people towards that relationship with them. And, and if you're right, Jesus also said, love one another as I have loved you. So yep. there's another measuring stick, not only how we yeah. love ourselves, but, and so, and I, I think what you're saying, you know, in those leadership roles that we're, we're supposed to love as Jesus loved. Right? And yeah. sometimes, yeah. of course, that means to be demanding. Jesus had high standards and he was able, he had his moments where he, he didn't hide the truth, but he yeah. also, he was also the most merciful, the most compassionate. He, yeah. compassionate. Met, people where, yeah. he met people where they were at and he yeah. walked with them. Yeah. And if he was hard with anyone, he was hard with the people that professed all these things, yeah. but sort of lived as hypocrites, but with the sinners, yeah. He went yeah. and he knelt with them. He sat with them. He walked with them. He lifted ate. them up. Yeah. And that he yeah. ate with them. And that's what we are supposed to do. And so sadly, again, going back to in, in religious leadership, a lot of people are put in these positions without the proper education training. Um, and then they're given this this permission to have so much power over people. Yeah. Um, and, and then they sort of just impose all of these things and, and people eat it up because people are looking for leadership. People are looking for charismatic figures and they're looking for direction. Yeah. Right. And so, but in the end, but it, oftentimes, it, as you know, it does also does so much harm. So in leadership, in the faith circles and in any circles, we, we must tread cautiously and respectfully on the mm -hmm. sacred ground of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And um, because it's about the dignity of the human person and so that yeah. we can lead better, we can love better, and we can help everyone live better. You got to go through, though, Matthew. That's why I said Jesus always, he always, his contention was always with the task doers, the Pharisees mm -hmm. and Sadducees and all these other guys that were coming with tasks. Um, yes. uh, should we pay, pay taxes? They throw, and I think that's one of the greatest responses I ever saw, right. uh, read in my life, you know, and they always came with him at that. And but he was always in love. He chastised in love. He taught in love. He right. rebuked in love. And uh, all of that is how the standard by which we have to uh, lead. Uh, right. And uh, he again took broken men, and uh, he mended them. He turned to Peter and he said, "You're going to deny me." Um, three times and here was this broken man after he did the third time just crying and broken to pieces 
And Jesus comes and he says, he comes out of his grave and he said, tell him and tell Peter, I said. <laughs> and so he was focused on even the man that was broken. And so Jesus right. is focused on our brokenness because he's interested in mending and a leader should be as he is focused on our brokenness in order to be that way man mm -hmm. you've had to go on through some stuff like you went through because you came out different right yes and i have to say that because of what i went through i ministered better i yeah. became a better person i was a better priest and yeah. not that i wasn't before but i i think i ministered very well through all but but again but i it brought me to a whole nother and going back to peter you know, with everything, because yeah. he's like, I'll give my life for y'all. But then, you know, he went through this huge humiliation and uh, denial, yeah. right? You know, hmm. but all that was necessary. Yeah. To then see the Peter that we have after. Right? Yeah. We all need to be broken down, and it's very hard for us to do, right? Yeah. You know, and, and yet I also shared with you that I had a lot of experience working in the military, right? And yeah. mm -hmm. when we talk about organizations, then there's another organization mm -hmm. where there's a specific mentality, specific culture, right? Where naturally you know we're, we're also people don't deal with their humanity yeah. in a healthy way because oftentimes because you know when you have when you have human difficulties or challenges it's sort of they equalize it to weakness and weakness is unacceptable yeah you know, and we can and this isn't about bashing military. i love the military and i love my marines and sailors right but we see this in we see that mentality and culture concentrated there, but we also see it in a faith organization. We see it in so many other organizations, right? And we're all these people in leadership roles or not leadership roles because we always want to look like we have it all together. Mm -hmm. But we're living in denial of certain things. We're not dealing with certain things or we don't let people deal with certain things, right? And I use this expression in the military. Well, oftentimes the culture mentality would tie people's hands together so that they couldn't raise their hand, right? Yeah. Because... You can't go see a therapist. You can't talk to the chaplain. You can't do this. You can't do that because it's going to make people think that there's something wrong with you or, or there's something weak. But it's, it's going to make people think that you're human yeah. and that you have, the, you have the courage to deal with your humanity. Yeah. And so well done, Marine. Right? That's yeah. what it means to be strong. You know, and so I use that example because we can see that. It, it really applies everywhere. But I, that was another organization. When we're talking about organizations that really that do so much good, but when in order these organizations where we create cultures that also um, damage people or, or or create obstacles for us to to do that personal work. Yeah. And so, when we're better, you know, when we're taking yeah. care of ourselves, then we can, yeah. when we serve ourselves better in, in a healthy way, then we can take care of our loved ones. We can serve yeah. our country better. All of those things will come from that, right? Care for your humanity. Your humanity will care for you. Yeah, right? I, I love, I, uh, Matthew, I love your choices of words of how you express yourself. And, and those of you that are listening to us that are even in leadership, because Matthew's story is was leadership and playing the role we usually start out playing the role, but we lose our way. We, we're people just like um, uh, Matthew's talking about. And all of you leaders out there that are listening to us, whether you're in a religious system or you're at a company, uh, you, are, you have your own entrepreneur business, you are a leader. And um, yeah, uh, uh, everyone actually, I am a leader of my life. 
Matthew is right. the leader of his life. And so we are all leaders. And so we get into these uh, space and these entities that we have to play the part. But when the curtain has dropped and we are by ourselves, stuff begins to creep in, creep in like Matthew talks about, things that we didn't deal with, shame, uh, depression, all of these other things that thoughts that we are allowed to give permission to grow in our beings and cause us to lose our way. I want you guys to get in touch with Matthew. Why? Because he has been through all of that, man. He knows the ropes, if you will. He's gone through the dark places that you are going to. And he knows the questions to ask you because he's visited those dark places to help you to see uh, and come out faster than when he was in there. He went right. through for a long time. The only reason why he is available to you guys is to, so you don't have to be in that dark place for a long time. And I want you guys, I'm going to provide all the stuff for you guys to uh, get to Matthew. We haven't even touched the surface. And as from the conversation, you guys can, can, can feel the wisdom and the empathy, the compassion that is coming from him because he understands that you need to find your way home. And he wants to help you get there because when you get home, man, uh, guess what? You can relax. You can enjoy yourself. And that's why everybody wants to get back home when you, in a natural sense, you want to get home from your busy day so that you can relax and enjoy yourself. I got Matthew that can help you to get home, guys. And we're going to provide all those things for you. So, Matthew, I want you to talk to us about you have uh, someone that showed up at your office. You've been talking to them for a while, trying to guide them home. And um, they've just been a difficult one for you. But you are you've learned patience because you learn patience with yourself. You've learned all these things. And you're having your conversation with someone. Invite us into that space when that person begins to, uh, the lights, if you will, are beginning to get brighter, brighter in their eyes, in their spirit. And you begin to notice it. And you're seeing the transformation, if you will, from mm. one perspective of them letting loose of that old one and beginning to allow the new perspective to come in and make some changes. Invite us into that space and walk us through one of those that you had a privilege and honor of experiencing. Right, thank you. There's so many moments, right? In ministry, your, your question is bringing back so many moments talking to Marines and sailors, right? And then also in my coaching work now. Yeah. The, I approach, someone obviously going back to that great respect for the person but with conviction that they have the answers inside of them and my job is, as i facilitate the process is to listen deeply mm -hmm. and to and to question with great curiosity yeah. to allow them to tap into those nooks and crannies of their soul and heart where those answers are but they yeah. just never yeah. could find them and that's that's one of the bright moments when when they start to see, you know, because of a question or because they begin to realize I never, I never thought of that. 
Yeah. Or or they say something and they begin and they take ownership of it. Oh, it's because of this and this and this. And all of a sudden, it might be their their eyes lighten up, or it might be they begin to cry because when yeah. we say something or come to realization, it just it has a huge. When we take ownership of it, it has a huge emotional effect on us. Emotional, yeah. And it, even also in speaking engagements, when I'm speaking to crew groups, whether it be ministry out, you know, and you begin to see because of whatever I'm saying, you begin to see their eyes light up, you know, sort of like yeah. these aha moments that are going off that it, it's very powerful. And, yeah. and again, it doesn't, it's, it's not about me. I think this yeah. professional training that I've received, but it's also then it's my story, right? It's the, the pain that I've, and I want to share this with others, not because I, I enjoy people seeing me in this light, but because it's, it's a message of freedom that I, I it's important for me to give to others. I don't, I don't want to keep yeah. it for myself. So that's, that's sort of what I, and that's the small window into that process. But another thing in that window into that process is with some of the work that I do is, is helping people clarify really their, who they are. What are their needs? What are your values? What are your goals? Why are these important to you? And then what's our roadmap to success? And we do yeah. that in a very visual process um, because it, we're always upward focused. And so we don't, someone who goes into coaching is obviously maybe they're looking for answers and it's about finding these answers inside. Yeah. And, and I facilitated a process where they do that. And it gives a lot more clarity. It gives a lot more security. And then going back to leadership, then they lead themselves better mm-hmm. and they lead their inner circles of influence. They lead better. And this isn't about one being over another. When I talk about leadership, it's about how we influence. Yeah. And we want that influence to be positive, whether it be how we influence ourselves, whether it be how we influence our loved ones in the personal or professional space, and how we influence in organizational settings. Yeah. We want our influence to be positive. And we want to influence people so that together we reach certain goals. Yeah. And, and that we help people reach their potential. Yeah. This is what leadership is about. And so that's what I try to do through my individual coaching for global leaders who want mm-hmm. to lead better, love better and live better. And that's what I try to do also through my speaking engagements and educational engagements. So you guys hearing anyone that is listening to this um, podcast, as I said, I'm going to provide all the, the links and the stuff for you guys to get to Matthew because he can help you to get home. And this whole conversation is about getting home and the tools by which he helps you to get there, recognizing the greatness in you, becoming the perpetual, I call it the perpetual investigator of one's self. And we do that by asking questions. And as we ask questions, we uncover uh, darkness, but we uncover beauty. And we see some nuggets about ourselves that will, as he said, take us to freedom. And that's where you experience that is when you come home, freedom. And so, Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. This has been a beautiful conversation. And again, I want you guys to get into his space because Matthew will be able to assist you, facilitate. I love the words that Matthew chooses to explain what he does and his journey. And because of that, I have interviewed many people, countless. And because of that simple thing, I can tell you that he is very effective as a facilitator 
and you guys need to get in touch with him. Matthew, thank you so much, man. And thank you. You're such a beautiful soul. And I love the questions. And thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you and to share the microphone with someone like you. Thank you so much, sir. That was that was good.